everybody. Welcome to Creepy Club. This is a storytelling podcast where we talk about all things creepy from the paranormal to aliens, true crime, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm Heidi. I'm Rissa. And we're super excited you're here. Today, um, well, always, this comes with a <laughs> NSFW warning. Mm-hmm. If you are sensitive to curse words or have ears that shouldn't hear them, you should probably put your headphones in or save it for later. This is meeting number six. And um, we're going to be talking about the Chain of Rocks murders, which happened here in Missouri. I have a personal connection to the story that I would rather not, (laughs) but I do. Mm -hmm. And so we'll talk about that in the episode. If you are from St. Louis, you're probably, and you are somewhere in the 35 to 45 range, there's a good chance that you are familiar with the story or may have a personal connection yourself. So if this might be upsetting for you, it might be a good episode to go ahead and skip. Mm -hmm. But we hope that those of you who are able will, and we thank you for listening and hope you'll enjoy it. Let's get into creepy corrections, conclusions, and clarifications. That sounds great. Well, so I was clearly (laughs) not on top of my game last time because you were like, do you have any corrections or conclusions? I'm like, I don't have shit, except I did. Oh. Yeah. So I have a whole bunch from The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll put it in those notes just because it'll yeah. make sense. So we decided we're going to do another, like a, a second post to go with some of these episodes as like supplementary reading. Cause Holly is a overachiever and did, did a lot more research on some of these topics. So if you want to check that out, you can see, see it on our website, www.creepyclubpodcast.com. Well, and you quizzed me on a lot of Catholic stuff and, <laughs> um, well, one words are hard. There's a lot of language that is very specific to Catholicism yeah. and words that are big and sound similar. Mm-hmm. For instance, transubstantiation and transfiguration mm-hmm. are not at all the same thing. And what I was trying to remember mm-hmm. where the host, the cracker, mm-hmm. when it becomes the body and blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. After you say you do the thing, the the priest says the prayers and the blessings. Um, that is transubstantiation. I can barely even say it. It's Latin. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Um, transfiguration is when Jesus and three of his apostles, Peter, James, and John, go to a mountain. They go to a mountain to pray, and on the mountain, Jesus begins to shine with bright rays of light. Then the prophets of Moses and Elijah appear next to him and speak with them. Jesus is then called the sun by the voice in the sky and assumed to be God the Father as in the baptism of Jesus. So kind of not exactly the same thing. Right. So a little rusty on my Catholicism. The other thing, I also went to... Episcopalian church for a really long time. And there's some crossover there. There are some oh. people call it Catholic light, mm-hmm. which isn't really accurate. I feel uh, like there are a ton of religions that claim that they are Catholic light. Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, I'm sure that they are 
were an offshoot at some point, Mm -hmm. but in terms of services, it looks a little bit similar, but you don't have the, you know, put pray to St. Anthony to find something. And, you know, some of those other things that are very typical, um, the Friday fish fries during Lent, like that's not a thing. Yeah. There's, there might be a statue of Mary somewhere, but it doesn't have the same reverence as it does within the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they don't and first communion and that sort of thing. It's just not, it's not really the same to me. Anyway, we always called the, the helpers acolytes. Oh yeah. And so I was sitting at work and I was like, wait, do we call them acolytes when I went to Catholic school? I couldn't remember. So Mm -hmm. I looked it up and acolyte is a word that was once used, but typically now they refer to them as altar servers And basically, you just have a lot less responsibility. Mm -hmm. You're like a waiter for the priest, Mm -hmm. essentially. So there was that. Yep. And then the exorcist house is in Belnor, not Bell Fountain. (laughs) Still in Nath, North County. (laughs) And a couple of interesting things, which I'll just link to. Mm -hmm. Um, this, This year in April... In response to an increase in request for exorcism, the folks in Rome will have had a conference to discuss how to address the growing demand. In Italy alone, there are more than 500,000 requests. Wow. In a year. And so, does that mean in 2017? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, or maybe in the span of 12 months, I'm not really sure. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're so remember how we were like, is there a form? <laughs> yeah. So I went to the local archdiocese website, did not find a form for that. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find any reference to exorcism at all. Yeah. Which I was like, rude. They're going to make this hard. <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> no, not surprising. So I had to do some more digging and canon law, which is just like the church law. Yeah. Says that it can't be just like, a regular old priest can't just be like, I feel like this person could really use an exorcism. I'm going to do it myself. There's special training and it has to be on the orders of someone in a much higher position. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a huge amount of hierarchy within the church. <laughs> like you have a priest then you have mm-hmm. a Monsignor and an archbishop and a bishop and Shit, I don't remember what order they go in, and you keep going until you get all the way to the Pope. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm sure somebody on the internet has a chart. Yeah. (laughs) And the only ones who are women are nuns, and they will be all the way at the bottom. Right. (laughs) They will be at the bottom. Under their parishioners. (laughs) Did you know that nuns marry God? Yeah, I think I did know that. Yeah, they actually, like, have a wedding ceremony. Yeah, that's, that's kooky. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When I went to Catholic school, the nuns weren't allowed to interact with us. They weren't a teaching order. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what order they were because, like, every order has their own thing. Yeah. Um, but they, the church was in three sections, and they had their own, like, section. Wow. And they didn't hang out with us. Yeah. And the convent was across the street, and they, like, there was no interaction. Hmm. I don't, maybe just for fish fries? Not really sure. <laughs> Everybody and, comes out for a fish fry. I mean, you don't have to be Catholic. And that's something that's really, 
when Heath first moved here, he was like, what's a fish fry? Like, so is that like a St. Louis thing? I've always wondered. Super St. Louis thing. Well, I think it's probably a super Catholic thing because yeah, it's a Lenten yeah, activity. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. And we have a pretty high concentration of Catholics in, yeah. in the area. Yeah. Um, so, but the devotion to which people attend the fish fries, I oh, think, yeah. might be somewhat unique to St. Louis. Because, you know, there's God's Cod Squad no. is a thing. <laughs> So people form social groups uh-huh. to do tours and you can go online and there's the equivalent of like Yelp reviews for the different fish fries. Oh, I'm so going to look that up. Oh yeah. And there's like maps of all the different fish fries mm-hmm. and different churches, depending on what their um, ethnic background is. They may have certain kinds of ethnic food. Yeah. I went to my first fish fry this year, which is unbelievable that I haven't been to How a fish How is that even possible? now. But, uh, yeah, we went to St. Cecilia's, which is the... <gasps> you got the good Mexican the stuff. Mexican, yeah, Catholic church. Um, mm, nice. Yeah, it was fun. I got the blame white people stuff. Yeah. Well, and so when my daughter, when she was young and she was attending Catholic school, that was mandatory parental service to work the fish fry. Oh, yeah. So you've worked fish fries. Yes, huh? I have. I, I was <laughs> given the lowest position on the rung. I was basically oh, a no. busser. Oh, oh yeah. Because the, the old ladies who work like the fryers and serve, those are coveted positions. And they ain't yes. giving them up. <laughs> there needs to and be they like, will, a... like You'll get an elbow. Yeah. If you even think about inching in. There needs to be like a TV show or something about the, the oh, like fish a, fry ladies. Oh, yeah. And then all the devotees. Well, yeah. and I think it's St. Gabe's and St. Louis Hills gives you beer while you wait in line. Well, and St. Cecilia's does margaritas and tamales. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's something else. Apparently, people in other cities don't drink beer at everything like we do. <laughs> well, <laughs> and absolutely <laughs> everything. I was talking to a friend of mine who also, so I'm a independent artist and I do arts and crafts shows sometimes and we always drink like that's just i mean it's st louis that's right you have beer everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah. and she said they don't she's like i went to the show and you know wherever and nobody drank at all i was like what that sounds terrible I you just spent she... a whole day waiting on people and you didn't get to have one drink i so. hope she brought a flask god i hope so too <laughs> we always try to make sure there's alcohol for the customers oh well, yeah, your wallet's looser if you're drinking. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so makes sense. That those were the the major ones. Oh, and um, there are more than ten thousand saints, which is why I can't rattle 10, off ten thousand. Wow. Well, the article that I read said they were about to um add another eight hundred. Damn. And I think every pope to date has been sainted as well so you can be a living saint and i put links in there so you could see if you've never seen what the last rite set is they call it a sick call oh, yeah, set yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so you can see that and you could i don't know purchase one should you like through catholic supply or ebay man or ebay along with your 15 piece stations of the cross mm. mm-hmm. great and then um i have something in there about who saint james the greater is because not to be confused with just St. James. Right. Because there's like 10,000. James is pretty popular. I like name. that St. James winery. Oh, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> good. They're velvet white. It's not half bad and it's cheap. Yeah, they have all these like really nice fruity wines. That 
They do. And yeah. we had made a brief mention about chain letters. Oh, and yeah. you, because of your age, had only been familiar with the email variety. Mm-hmm. So I put a couple links in there. One is like, what the heck is a chain letter anyway? And then there is a website that talks about the history of chain letters and has archives going all the way back to the early 1900s. Whoa. And so it was primarily a money-making scam. And the U.S. <laughs> postal website uh-huh. has a warning about chain letters. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, don't do this. You're never getting your money. Because it was like, you know, you send $10 and then, um, you know, you take your name off the top of the list. Kind of like those secret Santa yeah. things that go around mm-hmm. um, or secret sister, you know, then the next person will send you something and then you're going to get a bazillion dollars. They're like, it doesn't work. <laughs> and don't yeah. send anyone in Nigeria money either. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So even the U S postal website has something about it, which I thought was hilarious. That's interesting. I was like, Oh God, they're still around. I don't know if I ever personally received one in the mail, mm-hmm. but I've definitely seen them. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a few creepy clarifications, I should say. Alrighty. Um, so you remember how I kind of blew your mind about there's like a burning trash fire in Bridgeton? Yeah, I had heard of them before. I didn't realize that there was one here locally. Yeah, so um, there's a landfill called the Bridgeton Landfill in Bridgeton, Missouri, which is, you know, a suburb of St. Louis. It's by the airport. It's by the airport. Um, and... This trash fire has been burning. I don't remember exactly how long it's been burning. Too long. But it's um, right next to this landfill called the West Lake Landfill. Which that I do know about because mm-hmm. a lot of people in that area have developed cancer. Right. So, and I know someone whose brother passed away as a result of a rare brain cancer that they think is probably directly related to it. Yeah. So yeah. this article is from the Chicago Tribune. And they say beneath the surface of St. of a St. Louis area landfill lurk two things that should never meet a slowly burning fire and a cache of cold war era, nuclear waste separated by no more than 1200 feet. Can you believe that? I don't like that at all. Government officials have quietly adopted an emergency plan in case the smoldering embers ever reach the waste, a potentially catastrophic event that could send up a plume of radioactive smoke over a densely populated area near the city's main airport. So I, I sort of read through this article. It's kind of a long article. Um, well, actually that one's not very long, but there's another one that I'm going to post from the, uh, St. Louis public radio website. Um, it's called what's next for Westlake landfill. And so they have gotten through to the EPA. Finally. I mean, this has been going on for years. I mean, wait, they just got through to the EPA? I mean, they've been trying to get the EPA to act on this for a long time. Um, I feel like somebody's a asleep lot on the job. People that have been monitoring the Westlake landfill have said that it's not dangerous and yada yada, which we know is probably bullshit. So the EPA is finally going to start cleaning it up. That and the good. current the current plan is just to clean up some of it. So, oh my god i mean hopefully it's the the part near nearest the um bridged and landfill burning trash fire um but yeah so it's um sort of up in the air right now what's going to happen to that 
And you can read through this article. It's a super long article, super informative about all of it. Um, and there's also a documentary about it on uh, HBO called Atomic Homefront. I do know someone who works in a nearby school district, and they have an emergency plan. Yeah, so basically all I could find on the the emergency plan is evacuation, which is like... Seems... Great. <laughs> not as maybe detailed as it could be. No. Yeah. Well, should we dive into our very joyful, exciting topic? Oh, boy. Yeah, this one's kind of a doozy. So I have a personal connection to a couple stories that I would really rather not. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is one of them. I know someone who was who I had known for about 10 years and served on a board of directors at a nonprofit Mm -hmm. with. Uh, they processed a rape kit from a cold case and he was arrested, charged and convicted of rape that was so heinous that the woman has epileptic seizures now. Oh, wow. And he essentially left her for dead. And then after he had been in prison for a period of time, they processed another cold case and he got dinged again. Yeah. So I don't know. Every once in a while I go and check to make sure he's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the same sort of, well, this one's a little different because the uh, that particular story is a little bit different because this guy is conceivably, you know, well, depending on how many more rape kits we process, he could be there for a while. Yeah. And there are many thousands of them unprocessed. I don't know why it's so expensive to process them, mm-hmm. but um you know, when it happened, there is that thing where you're like, how is that possible? Right. Like, this is somebody that I knew for a really long time. And we weren't best friends, but I knew him pretty well. And I thought he was maybe a little odd. Yeah. But I certainly did not think that he was capable of harming anyone mm-hmm. at all. Um, and he really presented himself as someone who was a feminist, a friend to women. Yikes. Yeah. And a protector of women. In fact, he had given me advice once and warned me about someone else. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so, bizarre. yeah, saying that I should be careful not to have my daughter be around that person because he knew that they were not safe to be around children. Wow. So I don't know if he separated his crimes with, you know, a lot of times. Disassociation. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and he, of course, says he didn't do it, but DNA says otherwise twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really complicated emotionally when something like that happens. And I was really surprised, you know, when it when that all came out, there was sort of a schism among the people that knew him. Yeah. And some folks went and visited him and believed that he was innocent hmm. and had been wrongly convicted. And I was like, uh. Can't really argue with DNA. No, no. There was, you know, once they had the DNA evidence, it was pretty irrefutable. I mean, it's not. It was strong enough that they convicted and sent him to prison for many years. Yeah. And it was also such a violent crime. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Not like rapes ever nice, but this one was so particularly violent. Right. Um, that I was like, you know what? I'm just not taking any chances. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
if he's wrongly convicted, I'm sorry, but I, at the time, was a single mom. I'm like, I, you know, that's a bummer, but that's going to have to be somebody else's battle. That yeah. can't be mine. Yeah. So I was really surprised at how things kind of went down with that. And I know, I know there's a couple of people who still go and visit them, mm-hmm. which is just crazy to me. Yeah. So that was sort of the deal with this. The story that I'm going to talk about is the Chain of Rocks murder. Um, in 1991, there were three cousins, a uh, 19-year-old Robin Carey, her sister, 20-year-old Julie Carey, and their male cousin, 19-year-old Thomas Cus- Cummins. And they went to the Chain of Rocks Bridge. And they ended up being thrown off the bridge. And only the male cousin survived. Mm-hmm. And only one of the sisters' bodies was ever recovered. Huh. And the sort of plot twist for me was that of the four people who were accused, I had just met two of them a week prior to their arrest. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I can't know murderers. Yeah. That's not, I mean, what happened to these people is horrible. I never, for one second, was like, oh, well, I mean, who cares? You know, I mean, that yeah, was never not. a thought. Yeah. But so the the two guys, um, the two primary players in that are Reginald Clemens and Marlon Gray. Mm-hmm. And then there's two other men, um, Daniel Winfrey, who was only 15, And then another guy named Antonio Richardson that were there as well. And so um, I'll get into the, what they think happened exactly. But essentially the gist of it was that the Carrie cousins Mm -hmm. went to go look at a poem that someone had spray painted on the bridge and uh, Marlon, Reggie and crew encountered them on the bridge Mm-hmm. and decided to rob them, then rape them, then later killed them by throwing them off the bridge. Mm-hmm. So there were two groups of young adults who encountered each other on the bridge that didn't know each other at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was like a popular hangout spot for teens, right? It was kind of like a... Yeah, since then they've done some renovation on the bridge, and I think it's a pedestrian bridge now, like a yeah. bicycle pedestrian bridge. Mm-hmm. It, so it goes across the Mississippi River from the north edge of St. Louis um, to the eastern end of Shoto Island, which is part of Madison, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... At that time in 1991, and I had to like bust out my calculator to figure out how old I was. <laughs> so it was somewhere between like 17 and 18 years old when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in total disrepair and you weren't supposed to go there, right. but people totally did. It was yeah. a party spot. And there were, when you went up, I had only been maybe once or twice. And when you went up on the bridge, there were these like big holes in the gravel. So it was pretty dangerous to be up there yeah and it was a hole just down to the river it wasn't like there was anything to prevent you from falling in yeah um and of course there were barricades i was coming from the st louis side i don't know what was going on over in illinois but yeah from the st louis side at least 
it was very clear you were not supposed to be there. And then once you got on there, you were like, and I understand why. <laughs> You're like, but people would go up there to smoke pot and yeah. spray paint poems and mm-hmm. hang out. And it's a pretty nice view. There's not a lot of parents around. Yeah. So if you're in your late teens, early 20s, pretty good party spot. Yeah. And then there was some area, I remember people saying, which now I think this is funny because it probably was just a bunch of people playing Teenage Witch, but there was some like forested and field area near the, you know, area where the bridge was attached Mm -hmm. to the St. Louis side where they said like people did, you know, witchy stuff and satanic rituals and you know good good teenage lore yeah so it was probably like naked wiccans or something yeah at worst (laughs) um i don't know how much of that was actually going on but so it always had a very very creepy vibe anyway right and there was no lights Mm -hmm. because it was an abandoned bridge it wasn't supposed it was in disuse yeah um So how I came to know them when I was 17. So I knew these two girls from when I was 15 years old. We went to school together. Mm -hmm. I switched schools. So we had briefly lost touch. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was 17, we reconnected. And they came over to my house with Marlon and Reggie and another guy who's not any of these people. Yeah. And that's how I met him. And when I met them, Reggie seemed really sophisticated for his age. And I think he was like 19 or something. He was pretty young. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I realized, I think Marlon was like 21 or 22. I don't think I realized he was as old as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, they seemed perfectly normal. There was yeah. nothing about them that sent up red flags. There was their behavior was not unusual or strange in any way. Mm -hmm. They came with two girls that, you know, I liked and trusted and I hadn't seen in a while, but I didn't. Right. I didn't think they bring murderers over to my house, you know? So they invited us all to come with them to a party. Um, I think maybe the next weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. So we went with them. I don't remember how we got there. Somebody picked me up because I don't think I had a car. Um, We went with them to a party and I went outside with the third guy using my amazing teenage judgment to smoke pot, (laughs) smoke some stranger's pot that was like pot plus God knows what else. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I got mad at him and took off on foot. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a pretty bad part of town, like yeah. one known for sex trafficking, <laughs> Yeah, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. It was dark, late, and in a part of the city where every single house looks exactly the same. Right. And wasted out of my mind. Yeah. And I was way too pissed about the other dude to give a shit where he went. Yeah. I don't even remember what exactly I was mad at him about, but I was pretty pissed. Mm-hmm. So... I wandered around for who knows how long. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking up all the streets were one way. Like it's one way going east the street, the next street goes west. And I remember walking east on the street and I could see Marlon and Reggie on the porch and they pointed at me and they were like, there she is. Mm -hmm. So they've been looking for me. Yeah. 
So I have no idea how long I was gone. Probably a good long, like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. Stumbling around. Wow. Wasted. And so I thought they were nice guys. And yeah. then not even probably a week later, one of the girls called me and said, Marlon and Reggie got arrested for murder. Wow. And I was like, that can't be right. Yeah. They, they helped me. Mm-hmm. They're nice guys. Mm-hmm. Then it got really complicated emotionally. I mean, as I said, the thing with um, the girls, I mean, that's fucking horrible. Right. Like, yeah, that's a given. The believing that Marlon and Reggie were the ones who did it was the part that was hard to kind of wrap my head around. And initially, there was some suspicion that maybe the male cousin had actually made sexual advances towards his cousins. Mm-hmm. And when they refused him, he pushed them off the bridge. And that's why he survived. And so Marlon and Reggie also said that they had been coerced to give a confession. Yeah. um, And that they had been beaten up. And Thomas Cummins, who was also under suspicion, had reported that he'd been roughed up by the police as well. So there was all this like kind of air of, well, who maybe, maybe it was the cousin. Maybe it wasn't them. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there was probably ever any doubt in the Carey family's mind or the people that knew them. I think that the, the, like I said, anybody I've ever met who knew the Carey sisters, they were quite beloved. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever had anything but really nice things to say about those girls. Yeah. And I don't think that they were, like, bad kids by any means at all. Right. They had apparently gone up to the bridge to show their cousin a poem about racism that they thought was, like, really special in some way. Mm -hmm. So adding sort of to the confusion around the story, you know, Marlon and Reggie were black. The Carey sisters were white. And St. Louis Police Department doesn't have the best record with its treatment of black folks. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. <laughs> so that was always a bit of a question mark in my mind. And yeah. there was there seemed to be some validity to their statements that they had been roughed up, that mm-hmm. they had been beaten, that their confessions were coerced. Mm-hmm. At some point later on, Reggie got a settlement as a result huh. of it. Wow. So. Yeah, I, that seems legit. Yeah, it doesn't, it didn't make him not guilty. Right. But, um, and the detectives that didn't, the interviews, the recorded parts of the interview, of course, they were all very polite. Yeah. Um, and they never said we did anything at all. Marlon and Reggie were convicted of two counts of first degree murder in 1993 Mm -hmm. and sentenced to death. Um, Antonio Richardson had his sentence commuted to life without parole. Um, And then the fourth defendant, Daniel Winfrey, who was only 15, pled guilty to second degree murder, rape and armed robbery in 1992 was sentenced to no more than 30 years in prison in exchange for his truthful testimony. So he was the only one who was white of the four yeah. and turned 
and testified against all of them, the rest of them. Hmm. Um, he was paroled in 2007, but then it was revoked in 11, 2011 and again in 2012, and he's currently in Farmington Correctional Facility. Hmm. So the story that Marlon told was that the two groups didn't know each other, had a brief conversation. Marlon showed the other group how to climb down a manhole cover on the bridge down to the pier. So there's these like big cement piers that you can, you could climb onto if you were insane. (laughs) And then the two groups separated and he was like, and then I went to the car and smoked weed. Mm -hmm. So that's what, and he said he came back later and he didn't know what happened. Yeah. So he claimed to have, until he was executed in 2005 and it, up until his through his execution uh-huh. still claimed innocence. And so I guess for me, there was always that question mark. Like, I mean, if you're being executed, you might as well go ahead and admit to it. It's clearly happening. Yeah. Um, and he still maintained innocent. So testimony on behalf of the prop prosecution said that what actually happened is that Marlon told Reggie that he felt like hurting somebody when they were approaching the bridge. Uh And he told Thomas, the boy cousin, I guess that's obvious, (laughs) told Thomas (laughs) to get on the ground and the two girls were grabbed. Richardson held Julie down while Clemens raped her, and then the two swap positions. Then Marlon, Antonio, and Reggie took turns raping Robert and Julie. Uh-huh. Then Reggie robbed the wallet, wristwatch, cash, and keys, and the three victims were forced down the manhole cover. Maybe that's what I was remembering as the holes. Maybe it was where a manhole cover was missing. Okay. Um, Forced down the manhole cover to the concrete pier, the two Carrie sisters were then pushed, and, and Thomas was told to jump. And so this is testimony from... This testimony um, came from... I think this may have come from the 15-year-old. Right. Medical witnesses testified that Thomas and Julie Carey survived the 48-foot fall to the water below. And Thomas testified that after, or maybe this was Thomas's testimony. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I think this is Thomas's testimony. Oh, okay. Okay. So he testified that after surfacing, the current pulled him over to Julie, but then she drifted off after she began to drown. He tried to swim to, sh- he swam to shore and survived. The body of Julie Carey was found three weeks later in Carothersville, Missouri. The body of Robert Carey was never found. When they found Julie's body, did it, did they could they tell that it, she'd been sexually assaulted or yeah so at that time dna evidence was not great right so that really hurt the prosecution mm-hmm. they were able to convict them all of murder yeah but one of the things that i don't totally understand is that reggie wasn't convicted of rape mhm and so that comes up recently, like in the last year. Uh huh. There was a second trial. Oh, for rape. Yeah. Uh huh. 
So Marlon, Marlon Gray, he says he went to the car, smoked marijuana. Antonio went to retrieve a flashlight. Marlon returned to the bridge 30 minutes later to find the girls and the cousin were gone. Antonio said that uh, Reggie had said the girls slipped off the bridge, but he thought that the authorities wouldn't believe a story. Reggie or Thomas was then robbed by the men of his belongings. The version given by Marlon at his trial was different and also differs from what the police said he told him after his initial interview. Hmm. On returning 30 minutes after in the car, Reggie followed, Reggie informed him, man, I just robbed that guy and threw him and the girls into the river. So he was saying that Reggie did it. So Mar- this was from Marlon. Yeah. The one who was executed in huh. 2005. So there's a bit of pointing the finger at yeah. other people in the group. Yeah. And I think the suspicion with Thomas Commons, the cousin, didn't last that long. I mm-hmm. think initially, you know, when they were doing the initial questioning, it came up because it did seem a little strange that he survived and the girls didn't. Yeah. And why would they push the girls and not him? But I don't know size-wise what sort of match they were dealing with. The Carrie sisters were pretty small. Yeah. They were pretty, they were more petite. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, was there any physical evidence that Thomas went off the bridge? I don't think there was ever any question as to whether or not he, he went into the water. He went into the water. Uh-huh. No, I think it was, was that a cover? Yeah. Or. Yeah. Did he do it himself or did, was he also pushed? Right, exactly. Well, he says they told him to jump. Right, okay. Right. So that was where it was like, well, why would they push the two girls and not him? Yeah. That was the big question mark and why I think there was some suspicion around him. Um, Initially, they thought that maybe the other men never existed and he had made the story to cover up, Mm -hmm. you know, attempting to rape his cousins. Um, and that maybe one of the girls had fallen off the bridge and the other one tried to save her and fell. Mm-hmm. And he was initially charged with murder, but then got released due to lack of evidence. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I didn't catch this the first time I read it. He later won a settlement from the St. Louis Police Department for wrongful interrogation techniques. So this wrongful interrogation thing. That was, was a real thing that happened. Yeah, it was a real thing. Yeah. And a cousin of the girls later wrote a book, which I can't find the name of now. I'll put it in the notes. Um, and she wrote an article in the New York Times. And um, she's like, I, you know, we never doubted that they were also, you know, that they were beaten up in their interrogation because we knew that Thomas was. Yeah. Like, and that ultimately helped no one. Yeah. It just muddied the waters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Reginald Clemens was scheduled for execution in 2009 when a federal court granted a stay. That's kind of unusual. While a federal appeal was pending. So like Amnesty International picked up his case. Oh, it was a big deal. Huh? There was a, because of all of the misconduct early on in the case, there were a lot of people who believed that he was innocent. I wasn't the only one thinking mm-hmm. maybe he didn't do it. Um, so the Missouri Supreme Court appointed a special master, Judge Michael Manners, to convene a new evidentiary hearing. Mm-hmm. 
The hearing was held at the Missouri Supreme Court and St. Louis Circuit Court, and they will consider they considered a writ of habeas corpus. Reginald Clemens petitioned both to receive a new trial and to have the death penalty vacated because it is not proportional given his age at the time of the crime, 19, his lack of a prior criminal record, and the fact that he was convicted as an accomplice. So Marlon took the big hit. Okay. That's Marlon Gray. Yeah, that's why I was wondering why why Reginald was... Why Marlon Gray was executed so quickly. why, Why Marlon was executed and Reggie kind of sort of got off the hook. I mean, I assume... He's still convicted for murder. Right. He just wasn't executed. Um, I don't totally understand some of the, I'm not, it turns out I'm not a lawyer. Huh. Huh. Not a scientist or a lawyer. Of all the things that you do. I know. Right. (laughs) So there was a report that was altered. There was a note about an injury that Reggie Clemens had that had been scratched out. Huh. And so because of some of these things that had happened, the Missouri Supreme Court vacated his death sentence and conviction. And Jennifer Joyce, who was the prosecutor, had to decide whether or not to retry the case. Oh. So they did, they didn't acquit him, but they took away the conviction. Right. It was overturned, but he assaulted, I think it was a prison guard while he was in prison and got like a 15 year sentence. So even though it wasn't overturned, he didn't get out. Right. Or I'm sorry, even though it was overturned, he didn't get out of prison. He Uh was still going to, even if he got off totally scot-free, he still had a significant sentence to serve. Yeah. The prosecutor said, I think we have a lot of really good evidence and wanted to take the case to trial again. Yeah. She thought that she was going to get a better result in the end. They were able to get some DNA evidence developed that wasn't available in 1993 that implicated Reggie Clemens and others in the crime. Uh Uh-huh. That wasn't, you know, they just didn't have it in 1993. Mm -hmm. So what that new evidence ended up being was they had Marlon Gray's shorts and on his shorts, there was a mixture of semen from three men, and they couldn't exclude Marlon or Reggie. Okay. So, and then there was something, I think, from the Carey sisters as well. So, it was clear that the rapes had occurred. And since Reggie Clemens hadn't been tried for rape previously. Yeah. The, I guess, like, double jeopardy didn't apply. They could try him for that yeah as well with the new dna evidence mm-hmm. whoa totally crazy and still even like at that point amnesty international was still involved in the case i think danny glover was speaking publicly on his behalf i mean he was really hmm. very charming mm-hmm. and very good at garnering public support yeah on his behalf. I mean, he had legitimately been wronged by the system in the process. That wasn't, yeah, that part wasn't false. Yeah. It didn't mean that he wasn't a murderer. Right. But some things had happened that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. That affected things. Um, so there were new rape and robbery charges 
and he had that 15 year sentence. Oh, it was for assaulting a prison guard. Yeah. So he was unlikely to be released before the trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a justice for Reggie campaign. That was the one that Amnesty International had been involved in. Uh huh. So who is it? Stacy Pratt, the state coordinator for Missourians for alternatives to the death penalty said, when we look at this case, it stands as a, at a prime example of what is wrong with the system of justice in Missouri, and particularly application of the death penalty. This process has been so tainted by the prosecutorial misconduct and the inappropriate way in which police officers obtained evidence by beating people into false confessions and statements and things like that, that we must really question whether it's even possible to have a fair trial at this point. Yeah. Well, and Amnesty International is always anti-death penalty. Mm-hmm. They would be connected either way. And I am generally supportive of their work. Yeah. But I get a, there's a, every once in a while something comes up and I'm like, mm, I'm definitely not for it in the sense that I, if you're a person of color, you are much more likely to receive a death penalty sentence than if you are not. Yeah. So it's not justly applied. I'm a little on the fence about the humane part, given the crimes that some people have committed. Yeah. I'm like, eh, Ted Bundy? I don't know. I don't know. I'm really going to miss him. Yeah. I think we might be doing everybody a favor, you know? Yeah. It's a, That's really, I'm not sure what the alternative should, should be other than yeah. let's dedicate a small island and let nature work it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like a Lord it, of the Flies situation. Yeah, kind of. I'm not really sure. I mean, I certainly won't want to be the one to to flip the switches. Yes, which I found out in my prison documentary binge that often the um, warden of the prison is also the executor. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's your job. You're the one that flips all the switches. And what I think is interesting is they don't know which switch administers the drug or the jolt or whatever. So it's like a ran- like a Russian roulette situation? Yeah, kind of. It's crazy. I guess it's, I'm not sure what the psychological advantage is to that. I mean, it's obviously for the benefit of the executioner, not yeah. for the, I mean, because I don't think they really give two shits about the person being executed at that point. Yes. I don't, I don't think they humaneness of the procedure is really top of mind once you get to yeah, that part. Yeah. Um, I think it's for that person mm-hmm. who has to do it, but I mean, they're still going to end up dead either way. So I'm not yeah. really sure why, why that is. So if someone could explain that to me, please, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> and I, that also makes me never want to be a warden. Yeah, no. For, I mean, there's like a hundred other reasons you, I don't want to Yeah, I was like, were you considering it? <laughs> Not really. Not really. Being a corrections officer is pretty low on my list yeah. of job duties. Yeah, yeah. I've done those. Have you ever done a career test before? Uh, in like high school. Let's take a lightness break for just a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I yeah, I don't remember. Um, I just, I, I, I remember probably taking one. I don't remember what the results were. Probably because I was like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be an actress anyway. So, oh, because you never get actress on <laughs> on your career. So like diva, results. yeah, diva always, never shows up. No, it's always really sensible, like you know, practical things that you should apply for. 
Especially when you're in high school, they're not going to encourage you to be an actor. For sure. You didn't have to take them when you're in college. I, not that I know of. I mean, I was in, you know, I was in school for dance and theater and stuff. So, well, as a psych <laughs> man, I did my undergrad in psych. Mm-hmm. So I love a good test. Yeah. I love a good psych yeah, test. Yeah. I like them too. I like like personality tests and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I think they're really fun. Do I think that they are absolutely correct about all things? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> absolutely not. Did you take, um, were you of the generation that did those like uh, quizzes in the like Cosmo and and YM and yeah, and I thought they were complete <laughs> bullshit while I was taking yeah. them, but I took them and I, I still will take still any. Fun. <laughs> I still take every stupid Facebook quiz that pops up. Yeah, I and it'll be like what what Muppet are you? And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I mean, I need to know, right? Yeah. Well, and now that's how the Russians have all our information. Well, they probably are <laughs> had it. I'm on so many lists, I don't yeah. even care anymore. <laughs> I'm only trying to stay off of a couple people's radar at this point in my life. <laughs> that one guy that's in prison that's probably going to get out soon. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know, like an ex-boyfriend or two I'd rather not visit with again. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm not really worried about the Russians. Yeah. My uh, fun fact, mm-hmm. my grandmother was schizophrenic, and that was her thing because of the time that she like was alive yeah she was really afraid of the communist and yeah. so she would think that this is like i schizophrenia is a very serious disease mm-hmm. it's very sad yes but um if you can forget about that for just one second <laughs> have a sense of humor for a second yeah she would like take apart electronic items mm-hmm. like well electronics for that time so like the toaster yeah um, lamps. Yeah. She was always looking for bugs. Yeah. Which I think, oh, poor thing. She was probably scared shitless. And the medication. It's a hobby. <laughs> it was more like a mission. <laughs> yeah. By the time I showed up in her life, she was in the heavily medicated phase. Okay. Yeah. So she just kind of was glassy eyed and stared off into space a lot. She yeah. didn't, I didn't see any of the weirdness, but mm-hmm. she took a lot of vacations, which is. <laughs> code for state hospital visits oh okay yeah yeah when she was younger they didn't know what i mean there's there's so much better stuff now than there used to be Mm -hmm. but yeah that was her thing it was all about the communists so i think it's interesting that people's delusions are somewhat um culturally bound yeah and also can be influenced by what's going on Mm -hmm. in current events yeah I had a substitute teacher one time who scared the shit out of me so bad. I thought I needed to go home and build a bomb shelter and start stockpiling food. Yeah. She apparently sh- shared the same affliction as my grandmother. Mm-hmm. She was terrified the Russians were coming any minute. I really like watching that like doomsday prepper show. Oh man, those people are something. <laughs> yeah. I, part of me, a small part of me is like, they're right. I mean, I should start getting canned goods and <laughs> water and well i'll watch a reality tv like docu style reality tv show about i won't watch real world that gets on my nerves oh yeah (laughs) but i'll watch you know prison reality tv shows proper reality tv shows i'm currently watching i'm binging on um a customs agent oh yeah you talked about that last time yeah i'm not done yet (laughs) there's a lot of episodes well i found a second there's another show that does the same thing. Oh, okay. This one's American Border Patrol. The oh, last okay. one was Auckland, New Zealand. Yeah. So, um, I've watched, I watched a prepper one and they are, um, 
they're a special breed of people. Yeah. They're really something. There was one, these people were trying to like create their own village for after. Oh, sweet. I'm in. And (laughs) But they had like a gallows because they thought they were going to have to have their own justice system. Oh, no. (laughs) And I was like, this is a little grim. And they were fucking armed to the teeth. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, they also had 400 pounds of mashed potato flakes and stuff like that. Yeah. And then there was another guy who lived in, um, it was like an abandoned nuclear reactor or something. Oh, yikes. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a great place to live. No, and he was trying to he was trying to online date. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, his, they showed him on a first date with some lady, and he was trying to explain his living situation, and she d- seemed surprised. Yeah, and not particularly interested. <laughs> and I thought, how are you going to talk somebody into living? In a cement cylinder yeah. underground. Welcome to my lovely home. My lovely home made of cement. Yeah. Watch your head. Underground. <laughs> and it's not, I, it, very it's little radiation. Don't even worry about it. Not going to be an L decor. <laughs> it was really. Everything's glowing. <laughs> it looked very. Um, yeah. It looked like the basement of like a power plant or something it was yeah yeah, it was pretty it was pretty grim anyway wow so i digress well we got and you were you i don't know if you finished your thought about the career survey oh so (laughs) mine always say the same thing over and over and over and over i never get anything different which kind of pisses me off because i'm like can we veer from the path just one time so it usually ends up being social worker teacher, counselor, academic advisor, um, Hmm. huh, right, (laughs) Uh, and basically a nurse, anything. A people helper. Anything in the helping profession. That sounds perfectly reasonable. It's legit. Yeah, it's totally legit. I don't think it's wrong. No. I just wanted to say something different just one time. Like diva. I did have, I, I took this, like, career class one time it was like a one credit class and we did the myers-briggs test and i must have just been having like a weird off day uh-huh. because first of all it almost tried to call me an introvert and i was like i think i got somebody else's results <laughs> for starters and then it was trying to say that i should be like an architect or an engineer like i must have mm-hmm. really been s- circling the wrong dots or something have you taken the enneagram test Yes, I have a friend who's super duper into that. And yeah. then she's always like, you're a this with a that wing. And I don't remember what all the things right. are. Yeah, but I mean, they're numbers. So it's kind of hard to remember. Like a friend of mine who's a therapist, mm-hmm. which, well, and so as you know, I collect therapists and social workers and teachers as friends. Yeah. <laughs> so it's huh, like funny. A, I know, weird, <laughs> right? And so, and people who work in academics. Yeah. Um, so she's like, you cannot take all the billions of people in the world. Mm-hmm. and slot them into 10 categories. That yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, of course, just like with horoscopes or with anything else, you can always find some connection. Yeah. So do they have value to some extent? Sure. Mm-hmm. Should it be the only thing that you consider when you are 
thinking about hiring a person for a job or, you know, I don't know, whatever. I think that's primarily what they're used for. Yeah. Or should you not consider a career path because it didn't come up on this test? If it's something you're really interested in? No, that would be silly. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I think that she makes a really good point there. The data has limits. Yeah. The results have limits. Mm -hmm. And the questions that they ask you are very easily skewed. They, they, on the Myers-Briggs, they ask you the same question six different ways mm-hmm. or seven different ways. You know, it'll be the same question worded slightly differently. And they're looking for overall patterns. Do you generally answer this question the same way? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. What if you're kind of in a mood that day, which <laughs> is apparently what happened that one day when I got the really weird results. Yeah. Like, I seriously think I got somebody. I don't think it yeah. was... They mostly got me, but were a little off. Like, I just got somebody else's stuff, or I circled the wrong bubbles, or filled in the wrong bubbles, or something. It was just too, it was completely foreign. Yeah. Did not make any sense at all. Yeah. I mean, I think it can be somewhat predictive, but it's not. Yeah. It's not perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. There were careers on there. (laughs) It did say that the thing that I would be least interested in doing was being a PE teacher. (laughs) And I think Hmm. that that is probably accurate. Yeah. I think I would like to drive a trash truck 10 times more (laughs) than I would like to be a PE teacher. (laughs) Actually, I think driving a trash truck would be all right. Yeah. There's some freedom in that job. Yeah. You don't have to report into an office. There's probably all kinds of interesting things. Yeah. Hopefully no dead bodies. No. No. But you could probably, like, furnish your whole house for free. I don't know. It might be, like, the coolest scavenger hunt job ever. Yeah. And you're helping people. Yep. Yeah. That's not... What's the worst job you ever had? Oh, um, probably steak and shake, uh, working in the kitchen, making oh. shakes, doing the drive through Oh. I don't even think I did the drive through I think I just helped the people at the drive through Hot tip. Also, former shake, steak and shake employee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I waited tables on the third shift. The cook got drunk. I slept in the booth. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Friday nights were interesting because, you know, drunk night. Yeah. But the rest of the time, like, nobody goes to steak and shake at two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. I don't know why they were open. Yeah. But um, when you go to steak and shake, specifically ask for real ice cream when you order your shake. Otherwise, you're going to get some bullshit shake base. Yeah. Who even knows? What is it? Like ice milk? I don't know. Lard. I don't know. It's garbage, though. Make sure yeah. you ask for real ice cream. That's all and, I'm saying. Uh, I was blown away to learn that the strawberry shortcake is just an old biscuit <laughs> with some ice cream on yeah, it. Yeah, that's and some weird shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the. Is Roy Kroc? Is he the. I remember I had to watch some like promo video about the founder oh, of Steak and Shake. That's my orientation. <laughs> They parked me in a closet with a TV VCR combo and they were like, here, watch this. And then there's a quiz. I vaguely remember doing that too. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, I'm never getting this half an hour of my life back ever again. Oh, Roy Kroc might be McDonald's. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I worked there. Some other garbage fast food. Yeah. I worked there all of two weeks. (laughs) I was like, I'm I'm done. Oh, I lasted longer than you. I was there for a while. It was such a bad environment. It was like such a boys club there, you know, like. The cooks were really rude and a little sexual harassy, and the managers didn't give a shit. And so I was like, My cook was always a little drunk. 
Yeah. So he just kind of did his thing and I would take naps until customers showed up. There wasn't really anything (laughs) to do. Yeah. There was all the side work was done. So it wasn't so bad. Yeah. My worst job, the one that I always think of when I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this job one more day. You Mm -hmm. know, when you're having that day at work, Mm -hmm. I worked in a factory, Oh God! which is like, there are some people who are doing the same thing over and over again is bliss yeah. because they can just go off in their head. And I think my husband would be great working mm-hmm. in a factory. I don't think it'd bother him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it is absolute fucking torture for me. Yeah. And I worked on an industrial sewing machine oh. and my job was to ruffle lace, like lace for clothing. Ugh. It was four 10 hour shifts in a row. I mean, I hate doing that just on one garment, <laughs> much less 40 hours, 40 hours of that. Mm-hmm. Woof tedious yeah i think i lasted two weeks and then Mm -hmm. they told me i couldn't bring my walkman yeah and i was like i went into hr i'm like you have to either put me somewhere else or i quit yeah and she's like well that's kind of pushy i'm like i'm just telling you what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm either walking out of here you have to put me somewhere else so then i audited orders exiting the warehouse which was so much better yeah i mean it wasn't like exciting but it was way better than Industrial stuff because oh my yeah. fucking god! If you mess up ruffling lace and you have to pick all that out, I just want to stab myself oh in the my eye with god. the seam ripper. <laughs> yes, just want to murder myself. Oh, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of want to amend my answer to the worst job because while that was a bad job, I was only there for two weeks. I was at Chuck E. Cheese. That was my first job for much longer, as in the mouse with pizza. Yes. Formerly Showbiz Pizza, if you remember that. Oh, I sure do. Yeah. And the animatronics. By the time I worked there, they didn't have the animatronic band anymore, which made me sad. Uh, I don't think you mean that, because I'm pretty sure you'd want to break <laughs> all the controls to the animatronic That's anything. That's true. It might have gotten on my nerves. With like the-, the Billy Bass Fish oh, at yeah. Walgreens. I'd want to smash it with a hammer before yeah. I got out of line. Mm-hmm. You didn't want that. Yeah, but th- there were some parts of that job that were really fun, like... Um, I, when I was hired, I was under the impression that I was just going to be hosting parties all the time, which was super fun because you just like dance and sing and act cheesy in front of kids. And sometimes you get to eat the cake that they don't eat. I don't great. think I like kids that much. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I like children. Yeah. I just don't know if I like them that much. Yeah. It's I mean, a lot of squealing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, but, but come to find out there were like so many other parts of that job that really sucked. Like, um, let's go in order from best to worst so best was doing the parties because you got maybe and and maybe you got tipped by the parents that was kind of cool and maybe you got leftover pizza and leftover cake that was kind of cool um everybody loves sheet cake unless it's got that bullshit whipped cream icing yeah which is an abomination right and then next would be running and busing i liked doing that because it was like minimal Minimal interaction with the guests, you know. Um, no brainer. You're just giving them pizza, taking away the the dishes, you know, cleaning off the tables. That was that was kind of that might have been better than the party hosting, actually. Now that I think about it, but and then there was salad bar, which was just a never ending tedious job. You just had to monitor the salad bar and fill up things that were empty, and you know, clean up stuff. And it was just like walking back and forth about 10 feet from the freezer to the, or from the fridge to the salad bar. That was kind of boring. 
Did um, you get to, like, yell at people if they tried to wiggle under the sneeze guard? Uh, not that I... I probably didn't care. I was 16. <laughs> Which, if you were one of those people... Yeah, gross. Shame on you. I hate you. <laughs> that so, guard is there for a reason. And then next, I think, would be being Chucky. That was pretty bad. Um, mm. Got to get in the costume and go out there and say hi to the kids and... Um, at that time, I that, think I'd be a real sassy Chucky. Yeah, not not that not that St. Peter's has bad areas like St. Louis does, but this Chuck E. Cheese was kind of in the bad area, quote unquote, bad area of okay. St. Peter's, and so we had some like kind of you know rough kids, like some uh, kind of asshole kids that would punch Chucky and and tell you, "I know you're a person in there" and stuff like that. So. That was always an adventure. And then the absolute worst fucking part of this job, and I hope that they've changed this policy because it was just miserable, was Kid Check. Now, Kid Check is the person that stands at the podium at the front of the, uh, you know, in the lobby, and they stamp your hand when you come in, and they check your hand when you leave to make sure that the parents and the kids all have the same number. And so you, if you were on Kid Check, you were there all night, an eight hour shift at Kid Check. You were standing at this podium. This was before cell phones, so there was no like looking at my cell phone when I'm bored. No, I couldn't bring like a book or anything. And if it was a slow night, you were just standing there doing nothing the whole night. Ugh. And I'm like drawing on the little like <laughs> name tags and stuff just to keep myself occupied. And also, it came with the added bonus of being the first person that people see and the last person that people see. So you got all the complaints. Um, and God forbid you accidentally let a kid slip with somebody else. Like, and a lot of times it's super chaotic because there's these huge groups coming in and out. And so you're and like, they're trying like to, banshees wired on Coca-Cola yeah, and pizza. And you're a 16 year old trying to herd adults and children, you know, and it, it was a nightmare. So, I mean, that was a pretty bad job too. Just wanted to throw that in there. I Chuck don't. Cheese experience. I don't. I, I don't still remember I the birthday song. I think that maybe sometime you should sing that for us. I'll do it on your birthday. Okay. <laughs> I'm already excited. <laughs> right. Didn't you sing that for me when we were in the country? Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> I think that's when I tap dance for you. Yeah, that's right. It was very enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. I have a couple friends. I have one friend who was a character at Six Flags. I don't remember which oh, character. Ugh. She loved it. Really? Loved oh, God, it. I would hate that. And I have another friend who I think she was born to be a character. We had a craft show, a Yeti costume, mm -hmm. like a cute Yeti, mm -hmm. not the weird pumpkin headed Yeti we talked <laughs> about. Right. Uh, and whenever Courtney came, she's like, I, I, I want to put on the Yeti costume. I want <laughs> And at my wedding, is she, she a furry? No, she's Sorry. not a furry <laughs> That's at all. A joke. <laughs> no, we love our furries. So no shame you know, because you came to the wedding, that mm -hmm. two of my friends came in giant inflatable dinosaur costumes oh, because yes. they're magical people. That was so awesome. She has never been so... She was like, I have to wear the dinosaur costume. <laughs> Apparently, wearing a giant inflatable dinosaur costume gets cumbersome after a while if hmm. you're drinking a lot. I don't know, it's weird. But they did get their groove on on the dance floor quite yes. a few times. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. She was like, I, I need to wear it. 
Mm-hmm. And girl, she rocked that thing like nobody's business. So did she she and her friend came in those costumes or like No, Ryan they and Joe the other surprised people? me. <laughs> okay. So Ryan has <laughs> a plush dinosaur costume. Okay. And because we have the farm wedding, I was like, you can wear whatever the hell you want. Yeah. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm wearing. I don't give a shit what you wear. Be comfortable. Yeah. But I did ask my friend Ryan if he would maybe consider wearing his plush dinosaur costume because uh-huh. that's just hilarious. Yeah. And why not? Yeah. And I'm a grown up and I don't give a shit what other people think. Yeah. Right. And he's also a total ham. So I knew it would be really fun. Yeah. And he surprised me, him and his best friend, Joe, okay. came instead in giant inflatable dinosaur costumes, so- which like totally was... I've never been so excited to see two yeah. people in my entire life. <laughs> so then your other friend asked to, like, borrow the costume. Yeah, oh. after they had, like, well, apparently they're hot. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to see. Yeah. And so after after they had taken all the ridiculous pictures that they could and yeah. had danced all they could dance in, they took them off. Uh-huh. And so she came up to me and she was like, I got to get in that dinosaur costume. <laughs> so um, her, and a co- her and another one of my friends, they... The the dinosaur costumes made a little rotation. They got they got worn by a few people. But they're real smelly after that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll have to find out if the dinosaurs costumes survived. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they make a reappearance at some time in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'll have to I'll post a I'll post a picture in the show notes. That's something oh, yeah, that'd be not terrible and depressing. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Speaking of terrible and depressing. Should, should we, we wrap up the the terrible and depressing story? Yeah. Back to the story. So they, just in the last couple years, they decided that they were going to go ahead and retry the case and include, include the rape and robbery charges mm-hmm. for Reginald Clemens, Reggie Clemens. Um, and... After 26 years of saying that he was innocent and garnering all the support from all these really lovely people Mm -hmm. who really believed him, he pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree murder um, for killing the sisters, which he had always said he never did. Do you think it was a plea deal? Well... When I initially heard about it, I was like, well, that doesn't totally erase the question for me because maybe he just wanted to get the death penalty off the table. Yeah. But then I read about the DNA evidence and I was like, well, never mind. I mean, he kind of can't really deny it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's really no getting around it at this point. They Mm -hmm. have new DNA evidence that implicates him. He can't be excluded, which would be pretty easy Mm -hmm. to exclude him. They're going to have his DNA at this point. Yeah. So excluding him would not be difficult at all. Mm -hmm. Um, The jig was up. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if Marlon Gray didn't have very good counsel or what the deal was, why he was executed so quickly. I wasn't able to find much about Marlon. And I remember when the execution happened and you know, I only knew him for like a week. It's not like I knew him for a super long time, but yeah. it was still really weird. Yeah. Just like, I know someone who's been executed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to wrap my head around. And he seemed like such a nice guy. Yeah. You know? That's really weird. Yeah. And w- so this just came out and 
really recently, and it kind of threw me for a couple days because for the last 26 years, you thought he was, I thought he was innocent. Yeah. I thought, well, maybe Marlon was executed so quickly because the evidence against him was so definitive mm-hmm. that there was no weaseling out of it. Mm-hmm. And maybe Reggie really is innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, geez, Amnesty International picked up his case. Like, a lot of people with credibility supported him. Yeah. Um, so when it first came out, I didn't catch the part about the DNA stuff. And I was just like, May- maybe he just said it because he wanted to avoid the death penalty. Like I was still yeah, yeah. holding out hope that uh-huh. he wasn't guilty. Not, I mean, that would be an injustice as well, though, that if he pled and he wasn't guilty and then he's still going to live his life in prison, like that's not really a great outcome either. Right. Yeah. Um, but at least he wasn't going to be executed. Yeah. Which is still a shitty concession. Yeah. But but then I read the stuff about the DNA and I was like, well, fuck, there's really, yeah, really no, that's kind of it. There's, Mm -hmm. you really can't argue with that. I believe in science. Yeah. Can't argue with DNA. No. And he has always maintained his innocence until now. And he, the judge asked him directly, did you do it? And he said, yes. Huh. And um, one of the prosecuting attorneys said that he was one of the most cold and evil people she had ever encountered. Wow. So how does and you that think make... a, a criminal prosecuting attorneys probably met a lot of yeah. gross people. So how does that make you feel about your like first impression of him? Do you, do you feel like maybe he was a sociopath and was just, and you know, I think to maintain your innocence for 26 years, you have to be. Yeah. And so a lot of sociopaths kind of come off as just nice, normal people because they know how to manipulate people's view of them. Well, and I was like, you know, 17, 18 years old. I mean, yeah. that just wasn't even on my yeah, radar. Right. Yeah. That's true. And my memory of that time, like I said, I got mad at that guy and I was high on yeah. God knows what. <laughs> and, um, which cautionary tale. Don't smoke strangers weed. Mm, probably not. I mean, you know, my frontal lobe wasn't even developed. I'm not going to hate on myself too hard for that. That's true. And don't smoke weed before your frontal lobe is developed. It's probably also good, good, good advice, generally speaking. I mean, I just thought I was going to a party to have some fun. Mm -hmm. I didn't really. And because I hadn't seen those girls in a long time, I really, you know, we were just reconnecting after kind of a long gap. It had been a couple of years. So I wasn't really up to speed on everything that was going on in their lives. It was the first time. When they came by with the guys to my house, they were only there for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. They just like mm-hmm. popped in to introduce me. I don't know if there was some sort of like, like, hey, we want everybody to meet. Maybe somebody will like each other or if they were just right. in the neighborhood. Like, I don't, I'm not really sure what the purpose of the visit was other yeah. than like, hey, let's just, I don't know. There's teenagers just visit. Yeah. It's just something to do probably. Yeah. Um, But I don't know whose house we were at. 
Mm-hmm. The only people I knew were the people that I came with, and I was so wasted, I don't even know how I got home. Yeah. And I think this thing, if they were arrested, mm-hmm. I know it wasn't more than a week later. Yeah. They And at that time, I think it was in April that they were arrested. So this whole thing probably happened within a few days yeah. of the time that I spent time with them. And then later I thought, should I have gone to the police? I don't know that I would have really had anything more than I have to say today. Yeah. But I think, you know, whatever I was mad at that guy about, like, birds of a feather flock together if he was such a giant asshole. Yeah. Like, maybe that spoke to to their their character character as Mm -hmm. well, Mm -hmm. or maybe not. Right. I mean, sometimes there's the manipulative asshole with the nice friends yeah that do their bidding yeah you know yeah i mean i don't know i don't they it it just it still totally blows my mind and you think anytime you hear about a murder case most of the time people are like i never would have thought that that person would be capable of that and you think oh come on there had to be some sign that right they would be capable of something like that, some sort of violent history. And sometimes there is, Mm -hmm. but not always. These guys had no criminal history whatsoever. And they were certainly old enough to have accumulated one. Right. And I don't think anything's ever come out that they had a juvenile record or anything like that. And that one kid was only 15. Yeah. He was barely old enough to be out without parents, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, And it would be interesting to hear from him. I do think it's really weird. Why would a 24 year want to hang out with a 15 year old? Yeah. That's weird. I did not know he was that old. I yeah. just assumed he was our age being yeah. like, 18-ish. I think, yeah, I think the girls that I was hanging out with were maybe a year max, two years older than me. Mm-hmm. So I assumed everybody was probably like 17 to 20. Mm-hmm. I was assuming they were peers. Yeah. I would have never assumed that he was 24. Yeah. Well, and maybe that speaks to why he was executed so quickly because he was more developed in the frontal lobe and well, he was a bona fide adult. Yeah. I mean, and you know, if I had spent more time with them, I probably would have figured it out because he could have bought alcohol without it being a problem. Right. But I don't, I don't ever remember really getting alcohol being that big of a deal. It wasn't really that hard to get. No. Not even when I was a teenager. Was no, it wasn't. There was like, <laughs> there was always that store you could go to. Well, we had a we had a friend in high school that could grow a full beard. So he just went over and got liquor and they never carded him. Because <laughs> he looked like he was 30 when he was 18. <laughs> I hope that worked out for him in the end. Like now that know. he's 30, he looks 18 yeah. or something like that. <laughs> there was a place called Maggie's drive through liquor in East St. Louis. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we always went. It was funny. I went with this girl one time, probably around the same time. That was my like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting college. I'm going to party. Yeah. Uh, so I can party right in the middle of the week if I want to. So mm-hmm. we went over to Maggie's and she was legit. 21 i think it was just late yeah and our 
liquor laws are different. Yeah. So if you're not from here, East St. Louis and St. Louis, not the same thing. East St. Louis is in Illinois Mm -hmm. and they have much more lax liquor laws than we do here in Missouri. And And all the strip clubs. And all the strip clubs and, and glorious Soge, Mm -hmm. Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, Or what town is Larry Flint's hustler club in? Oh, I don't know. I think it's like Washington or something. It's the first few towns across the river. Anyway, East St. Louis is like not such a great neighborhood. But so we didn't have any three o'clock bars or there was you couldn't buy liquor on Sunday until, you know, probably the last 10 years or something like that. There's still weird laws about it. Yeah, they like rope off the liquor yeah. section. It's stupid. Like, if you're an alcoholic, you're just going to buy ahead. Yeah. It's not like that's <laughs> going to prevent you from drinking. Yeah. It used to be when I was really small, they, they call them blue laws. You couldn't buy anything except for absolute necessities on Sundays. Huh. You, I would have to look to see exactly what it was anymore. But I used to get so mad when I go to the store with my mom. And I'd be like, can we get this? And she's like, no, it's Sunday. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, that's just how it was because yeah. you were supposed to be at church and resting. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, for the Lord's Day. <laughs> the Lord's Day. I'm so pissed. I tried so hard to find. I found Mr. Gedeker on YouTube, uh-huh. but I could not find a commercial of him where he says the Lord's Day. I was oh, so mad. that's weird. I thought he said it in all of them. I thought so too, but apparently he stopped doing his own commercials, maybe because people made fun of him all the time. (laughs) And there was a video where they interviewed him and he talked about why he closed on Sunday, Mm -hmm. but nowhere does he say the Lard's Day. I was like, come on, man. Yeah. Just give me one Lard's Day. But I did find some other amazing commercials that I had forgotten about, like Schweigangle and some other stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were horrible, horrible Mm -hmm. commercials. Anyway, so we'll have links to those. But yeah. Um, so we went to Maggie's drive through liquor store from this party. And I think it was just that it was too late to buy it on this side of the river. Right. And she was legit old enough, but just looked kind of young. And they refused her ID. Oh. They thought it was a fake. <laughs> it was like the one time I went Dang there it. without a fake ID. Yeah. And we couldn't. And she was like, are you fucking kidding me? I remember I turned 21 on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was a Monday. That's rude. I can't remember. It must have been a Sunday. And yeah, and I went up to the gas station trying to buy a alcohol. And I was like, they were like, no, we can't. It's against the law. And I was like, but I just turned 21 like a minute ago. And they're like, no, sorry. Sorry, it's the Lard's Day. The Lard's Day. Yeah. So anyway, that's my super creepy. I mean, the story in itself is horrifying. Yes. Yeah. And this article does say Winfrey, who I think it was Daniel, the youngest one, testified against the other three in exchange for a 30-year sentence. And so then, he's still in prison, too. Yeah. he another. Well, he got in trouble for violating his parole, it sounds like. And, oh, okay, um, yeah. That's right. In addition to the murder charges. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie Clemens also pleaded guilty to two counts of rape and one count of first degree robbery. What, uh, um, and what sentence did he get? Five what? consecutive 30 year terms. Oh, so dang. he's never gotten out. Yeah. He's, he's like my age. I mean, he was only a couple years older than me. So, yeah. I mean, he'd be like 200. He's, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. not, I mean, it, and I, I think that this uh, one of the articles that 
I read, I think made a really good point that there was a whole, and I'm not talking about myself, but just in general, that there was this whole additional group of people who ended up being victims in the process because of his repeated denial. Mm-hmm. You know, he had support. Oh, and the ACLU too. Oh yeah. So he had supported the ACLU, Amnesty International, people who took time out of their lives to come and protest on his behalf. Yeah. And invested a lot of time and energy to support him only to find out that he was full of shit. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. (laughs) If you look at pictures of him, I mean, and now looking back, I think this is so classic. You were asking, did I think he was a sociopath? He's very like old Hollywood handsome. Uh There's something like I could, I remember when I met him, I thought he looked older than his age. I mean, I knew he was about my age, but there Uh was, he was very kind of elegant and sophisticated in spite of the fact that he was, a teenage boy. Yeah. You know, as a 19 year old teenage boy, there was something very elegant and sophisticated about him. He was very handsome. Mm-hmm. Um, and very charming. Mm-hmm. And I could totally picture him like in a zoot suit or something, you know, he yeah. had that kind of, he has kind of an old Hollywood look to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that he knew that about himself. Yeah and leveraged it. Uh And I'm glad that the Carey family finally got some closure and some peace. The cousin who wrote, she wrote a New York times article, but she also wrote a book about the murders itself. I haven't read the book. Uh Um, but I think that, um, you know, it affected a lot of people in their family, not just the mom and, the immediate family Mm -hmm. and just all the people that knew them. I mean, these girls were really well-known, very popular, very beloved. And Mm -hmm. St. Louis is so much a small town in so many ways. Yeah. And it felt like I hated to tell people that I knew them in a way, Yeah, you know, I was like, uh, I didn't know the sisters. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I did know the other guys and then I would feel kind of guilty because I'm like, but what if they were innocent? You know, it was just this source of conflict Mm -hmm. because I thought they might be in jail because racism. Right. Well, there are plenty of other people that are in jail because racism. Oh, for sure. Um, it just turns out it's not these, yeah, these guys. Well, Daniel Winfrey's wife, but Antonio and Reggie and Marlon and yeah. I I still am not totally clear on why, you know, if Marlon just didn't have great representation or what the deal was. I mean, yeah. I think it was, he was in jail less than 15 years before he was executed. It was in terms of death sentence, death row time. Yeah. That's fairly short. Yeah. I don't, I know that in the articles that I read and following the case over the years, Reggie filed many appeals like he was constantly going after it and then Mm -hmm. he had garnered the support of the aclu and amnesty international so he had people working on his behalf as well in addition to the things that he was doing on his own Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i'm glad that the 
Carrie family has some answers. It's a shame they weren't ever able to find the other sister. Right. And they, the one sister that they did find was, they found her pretty far away, like three weeks later. I think it was Carothersville, Missouri, yeah, which is nowhere said. near here. Right. At all. Wow. And yeah. the Chain Rocks Bridge is what? That's probably 20, 30 minutes north of yeah. downtown. Mm-hmm. That's not, and I think Carothersville, well, it's Mississippi, so it would have gone south. Yeah. That's it. She traveled a pretty significant distance. Yeah. In that time. But the Chain of Rocks Bridge is a little bit happier place now since the renovation. Mm -hmm. But also, I can't bring myself to go visit it. I I don't particularly want to either. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that it's safe. Yeah. Because it's certainly, I mean, it's kind of surprising that more kids, particularly since they were growing up there, smoked pot and drank, that more kids didn't get hurt. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about them talking about showing them the manhole covers, I'm sure that's what those big holes were. It was probably just where a manhole cover was missing. Yeah. I mean, the fact that people didn't just accidentally fall in is kind of a miracle in itself. Yeah. So I'm glad that it's been restored and has something positive is being done with it. Yeah. Um, so that's good. And now it's on some sort of historical register. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, with, on that note, on that cheerful, <laughs> cheerful, cheerful note, we would like to thank Brandon Lee Chilcote for our intro and outro music. Hey, Penny didn't come. So the sound should be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you to Penny for not bothering us during the podcast and bringing her poltergeist. <laughs> Um, and if you have any personal stories or topic suggestions, you can tweet us at creepy club pod or email us at creepy club podcast at gmail.com. If you have a, you know, a opinion about this particular topic, you can let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your ghost stories, your alien stories, your government conspiracy stories. Um, you name it. We want to hear about it. And you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash creepy club podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at creepy club podcast. If you want to check out our show notes, we call it, we like to call them meeting minutes because we're cute. You can go to creepy club We'll also put up some supplementary reading material. And we would also love it if you would rate and review and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're a small independent podcast. We'd love to have some new listeners Hopefully people we don't know. <laughs> I mean, we, we we definitely cherish the people that we do know. But I mean, your cool. mom and dad listen. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is My mom's cool. not going to listen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mom and dad. Thank you for raising me. Um, Thank you for adopting me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> is your brother going to listen? Uh, maybe. I mean, our brother? I, I would hope so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we talked about him, uh, about the Muppet thing, so. I did call him a bastard, though, I think, when he smack-talked Miss Piggy. Oh. I only meant it a little, and then I took it back. (laughs) He can take it. He'll be all right. He's a tough New Yorker, you know. Thanks for listening. We hope that you will listen to us next time. Meeting adjourned.